For episode 19, uh, I want to dig into Niels Hoaglander, uh, the Vancouver Canucks. I've been waiting to get to this guy. He's been on the list, and uh, I've, I've been tempted to go get him early because I'm really excited about this guy. Uh, he does some very interesting things, and he catches your eye because of the way he scores off the shot, and he has that kind of long, uh, kind of like a whip shot, very similar to like a Kucherov, only doesn't have like the deception. It's just the, the real like pulling it from way back and then launching himself into the shot. Like it's a full body uh, rip. It's really an interesting shot. So I've been very curious to see kind of how he gets, how he gets his chances and how he how he navigates his way around the rink, and then what might be interesting in his next level of development. So I want to start with his skating, which to me is a very interesting piece to start off with. What I, what I like about it is that he is extremely quick in his first two steps. He has a very fast twitch first two steps. He covers a lot of ground. He can do it off the crossover. Uh, he can... He can separate. He can close. He he is very good in his first two steps. Um, what is interesting, though, is when he turns and changes direction in turning, he is heel-based. So he's so good at launching himself and staying forward. His posture is so good when he's taking off and he has that quickness in his skating but then he gets in turns and he throws himself right in his heels. It's a really sharp deceleration. Um, and and so that, to me, that's an area for sure of opportunity. Uh, the other one is in arc acceleration, he has a swing crossover. So what I mean by a swing crossover is he takes his outside foot that's coming over the top and he swings it over the top. And what that action does is it throws him back on his back heel of the planted leg. And so that's also precluding as it relates to just real good speed acceleration in in arc skating, which I think would be a great place for him to spend some time is to, is to really spend more time on the arc. Um, but again, it's got to be something that he's, he's really comfortable with. The next thing is his rush. So what he really wants is outside speed. He would love to catch you in a disadvantage on a differential where he could cut and shoot his shot that he likes. That's what he'd love to be able to do. Uh, The problem is he needs too much of an advantage to become a threat to the net. And that's where the challenge is. So when he has a puck, he's got a guy in isolation, he's got a little time and space, he's got a speed advantage, the defender's maybe slowing down, he's speeding up, he's got a differential, you, he can put you in trouble. like Because he, he, he has great acceleration, he can take the corner on you. Um, he, he, he's very good when he has an advantage. But the advantage that he needs is too much, and in the sense that it creates problems in being able to generate the consistency of being able to score 
as much as he would like off the rush and use this one aspect as as something that he could have layers to. So I just feel like he needs a lot more diversity in the rush play options. So he does, for example, he doesn't change lanes much. So if you envision the ice um, and you looked at the at the offensive zone or at the blue line, uh, normally when we were all coming up, we were talking about having three lanes, right? The the outside lane from the dot to the wall, and then you had the two the in between the two dots is the middle, and then again the dot to the wall, so you have three three lanes, and then. On the power play, they start talking about these like four lanes where there'd be the lane from the dot to the wall, take the middle, which was really one at one point, and draw a line in the middle of that lane. Now, now you'd have two middle areas, and then you'd have that dot to the wall on the other side, which now you'd have four. So the reason why you want to talk about four is because there's so much need to be able to establish plays from the wall to the dot line and just getting the dot line getting slightly inside the dot line and using that particular lane that's close to the dot line is a real rush uh it's a real rush strategy in terms of manipulation and gaining entries and so he doesn't use that at all he's very rarely on the dot line i think in four games i saw him try to get to the dot line once for the most part he's coming screaming right down the boards so when he does that, he just limits his ability to manipulate. And if he doesn't have an advantage, he's at a disadvantage. So that's the issue. It's not like if he doesn't have an advantage, then he can do some things to create advantages. If he doesn't have an advantage, he's kind of in trouble. The deck stacks too far in the favor of the defender. And so that's what I mean about he needs too much of an advantage to be a threat. So right now he has outside speed. He'll pull up, but his pull up has no real deceptive properties. He's just he doesn't have anything else, so he pulls up. He has an anchor situation where he's sprinting out, tries to get above, and the puck doesn't come in time. So now he stops. He positions himself as an anchor to be able to make some plays. And then he has an outside speed chip, which is very similar to the anchor, in which he he gets skating. He realizes he's in a bad bad spot, and then now he's trying to just get the puck in behind. Uh, but these are not recoverable pucks. I don't think he recovered a single one uh, that he did in the four games. These are situations where he, he runs himself out of space, and then once he's out of space, then he, he's got nothing. So rather than turn the puck over, he smartly tries to just advance the puck and live to fight another day. What I'd like to see him add is an element of hiding his intentions. And in order to hide your intentions, you have to have options to be able to go to so right now he has he's down the boards if he can't get the corner he's going to stop well the defenseman knows you can't get the corner he knows you're going to stop <clears throat> so did you really hide your intentions the only way that you really hide your intentions is if the defender believes you can take the corner and then you stop in the middle of that acceleration you catch the defender t- pivoting turning getting him into into his bad spot now once he believes that's going to happen and now you stop well that's different or you come in over the blue line and you start slowing down as though you're going to pull up the defender believes you're going to pull up and then you change speeds and take the corner 
that's hiding your intentions. But you need to have both options legitimately on the table. Uh, and so, like, for him, I see a place for a stutter step, for example. I see a place for uh, a delay where he attacks the interior first and he tries to push you into the middle and then he pulls up. I could see that. I could see a situation where he gets the dot line to pull the defender off the wall and then chips it behind him and then now the defender goes to pivot and he runs on the inside shoulder uh, of that defender and then waits for him to try to touch the puck and he's in a really awkward spot. I could see something like that. But those are manipulatives and they come from utilizing the dot line. And I think if he used the dot line to anchor his rush, he would put a lot more options on the table and would give him an opportunity to hide his intentions, which would then make him more effective. Because right now, if he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a clear, distinct advantage, nothing's happening off this rush. And that's and that's where I I think if he could make his his like his B or C level rushes and be able to manufacture something out of those instead of only being able to manufacture something out of the A plus rush situations, that would make a huge advantage for him. So that's to me those are those are uh, are real opportunities for development. And again, it's it's taking him in what he already does and just adding layers. But the layer is to just get him to to prioritize the dot line and getting the dot line, getting off the wall, it just changes the entire context. And like I said, going from three lanes to four and then getting him to change lanes and feeling like he's changing lanes inside that rush, I think would make a massive difference in just putting options on the table and, and give him a real opportunity to take this rush game to another level. Where he's real good is in transition. Uh, he ha- he has great reads in the middle of the ice for takeaway. So if you can envision like a neutral zone forecheck situation, he's picking passes off. He's he's creating turnovers in those situations. He's very good. He had eight situations like this in the four games that I studied, which I think that's a pretty high number. He's quick to counter. He has a very good obviously first couple steps now there's times where he, he doesn't take full advantage but he has an advantage in this situation so it goes back to his rush where he has a clear and distinct advantage he's very good well transition creates that for him so it's not surprising that he'd be very good in transition what is surprising is just how good he is at being able to pick off passes. He's got a good stick. He's got good instincts. He moves and influences where the puck goes. Uh, he does a really good job in the neutral zone. I, I think that he's a he's that's a big uh, big part of his game. Um, the other aspect that I think is really interesting is uh, the offensive zone play on the half wall. So he would like to be a half wall guy. Um, but it is a dying art form. There's only a few guys in the league that are really good off the half wall anymore. Like you can talk like Kane or, or Kucherov, players like that. They can do a lot off the half wall. Most players are either below the dots and low off the back wall or they're in the high three on two. The, 
the half wall is is kind of like I said, it's a bit of a dying art. And the one of the reasons is that the reason why Kane and Kucherov are able to do it so well and so consistently is because uh, everything for them happens in the puck acquisition. So how they acquire the puck is what creates the opportunity. So what I mean by that is as soon as I say it, you'll be able to envision it. So these guys are attacking off the half wall off a side change. So the puck's on one side of the ice. They kind of already get like below the do- below the goal line or they're on that weak side dot. The puck goes around. They go down and they turn to pick it up. And now they're already climbing the wall. And that allows them to come off the wall threatening. They catch you in a rotation. And now they can really go to work. So that's one way. Um, the second way is a pre-touch between two checks. So they, they don't position themselves or allow a defender to be checked with them. When they don't have the puck in the offensive zone, they position themselves like between two checks. So now when they get the puck, they're already between the two checks and then they can attack that space. So they attack it on the first touch. They're already in the space. So it's not like you're one-on-one with a defender in a corner and then now you get the puck and the defender's on you and now you're trying to you know problem solve that and beat the guy off the wall. That's not what these guys are doing. They get in between the two checks before the puck comes to them. So now once it comes to them, they're already in between. They attack the puck on the first touch, and they're already attacking that space. That's the difference. Hoaglander doesn't do that. And he he is more trying to manufacture it while he's in a, in a, in a one-on-one situation. Now, there are times where he finds himself into some favorable positions and then you see him instinctually attack that space. So I think he is on the right track. He just needs a better way to get to those positions. So I don't see the I don't see the half wall as something where you're like, okay, like this is a dying art. You might want to move on and, and everyone else is is using the high three on two. Maybe that maybe that's where you should go. I'm saying there's you can get to the high three on two and use the half wall as a as a conduit to get there, but you have to approach it off side change and off pre-touch between two checks. If he was able to just do that, I think he'd find himself not only being able to make plays off the half wall and kind of follow his instincts of being able to attack between the two checks and 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 he has skill of being able to navigate his way in there. Uh, I think that he'd have more possibilities and probab- and improve his probability if he would find his way into those two puck acquisition habits. I think that would dramatically help. And then if it doesn't work to the point where he can attack and go off the half wall into that interior space, he will now be in motion on the first touch. He won't have anybody specific on him. He'd be like transitioning or changing between the two checks, and it'll open up the high three on two. He he has um, when you look at his goals. So I'm just gonna fast forward here to his goals. When you look at his goal profile, so I, I watched all of his goals for the last two years. W- one of his best uh, goal scoring strategies is attacking down in the offensive zone. He finds himself in high situations. And he gets himself into the slot 
and he finds himself into passes from there. He finds himself into seams. He takes really cool routes. Um, he preserves space between him and the net. He doesn't crowd his shooting space. And he finds himself into some really good situations. But they come from high situations. Now, when you watch him play, the four games I watched him play, you don't see that evidence of him doing this consistently. So it's really interesting. I've always find it fascinating when, when you watch a player's goals back and you can see a, a habit inside their goals of, or a, uh, not a habit, sorry. You see like common, a common goal, a way they score a com, in a common way. Uh, so it's a high-frequency goal for them. But when you watch them play, you don't see that embedded in their game to the degree that you would expect. I always find that fascinating. And this is a prime example of that. So he finds himself in the offensive zone on the back wall, and he's trying to land at the net, but uh, which is where he'd really like to, would really like to end up. But then he finds himself like rotating, and then when he rotates high, when you have long offensive zone sequence, now he finds his way into it. So uh, in the four games that I watched, he was not finding his way. He was trying to attack off the half wall in deficit situations, and he wasn't getting into the high ice, and so I didn't see much of him doing the way that he was scoring. So it's really, really fascinating uh, to see that and it tells me that this is a massive area of opportunity because we find himself into he found himself he's got 20 well 23 goals I guess in the NHL so far uh, yeah 23 goals in the NHL so far seven of these up uh, so and then four of those are power play goals so you can't count those uh, in this so that's 19 so he's got working out of 19 goals seven of them are from this high ice relocation into these pucks. It's a significant number. Uh, it's, uh, it's basically a third of how he scores is coming from this area, but it doesn't have the same or even remotely close to the chance share that he's getting when he's regularly playing. So it's really interesting. I, it feels like there's a habit there of finding his way into those situations much more. Um, even when you watch his multiple possessions sequences, he has three of them in the four games, which is not nearly enough. But he has a couple which are, when I say multiple, I'm thinking he, I'm talking he has five or six touches in the offensive zone. But he's like moving to the half wall. He gets it. He moves to the half wall. He goes in from the half wall. He goes into the slot which is a, a really a really good way of, of doing it. He's retrieving loose pucks. He comes rolling up to the high spot. He's all over the place, which is exactly what you want. Um, but when you look at just his overall play, when he's in the offensive zone and it doesn't get going like that, that's not what's going on. So there's a disconnect there that he, he if he was able to make a connection and find his way into those routes more consistently – he would he would be able to take that part of his game offensively and and really expand it so a very interesting aspect i think of uh, of his of his player development so that's a really i to me a really a really interesting one is is that half wall so his goal profile is he loves the differential where he can set up his shot 
He also will get loose pucks out in the neutral zone. He uses his speed. He can break away from you. He has net area rebounds. He does a very nice job around the net where he lands on the net. He can follow a shot, follow his shot to the net. He gets second chance opportunities. Got very good stick, very quick. He gets himself in there. And then, like I said, these attack down situations where he's starting high and getting into the high slot and working routes from there. So the last thing I wanted to talk about with him that I think is a very interesting aspect of of offense and that is shift profile. So what I mean by shift profile is when you're on the ice, when, when a player starts on the ice, the clock is ticking, right? They're only going to supposed to be out there for what? 35 seconds, 40 max. And so if you start in the D zone without the puck, it takes time to get the puck back. It takes time to get the puck transported through the neutral zone and into the offensive zone. So of that, you know, 30, 30 seconds, it takes 10 seconds to get the puck. It takes three or four seconds to get up the ice. And now you're looking at maybe, you know, maybe half of your shift time is now potentially available for you to use in the offensive zone, which is great. The problem is what happens when you're one and done so frequently? Well, when you're one and done so frequently, now you're back checking and now you're, again, you're stacking the deck back in the defensive zone for the next line. So where I find it interesting for him is he caught himself in the games I was watching. Of course, I'm watching games in January, playing against pro, playing against playoff teams, and there's a lot of time spending in the defensive zone. And so a lot of times his rush situations or his best opportunities to attack are late in that shift. They're at the 25 to 30 second mark. Now he's looking to get off the ice. This happens to a lot of players. And if you're playing on a non-playoff team, this happens a lot where you're, you're, you want to be, you want to contribute to the offense, but you get thrown off your rhythm because you have to spend so much time defending. You start with so many deficit shift situations, and then now the time is ticking on your shifts, and then the best pucks that come to you are the ones that where you're looking to try to make a change. I find that to be really, really fascinating with a lot of these with a lot of these young players is trying to find ways to be better. To to be better starts with being able to start with the puck, number one. And if you don't, you got to get it quickly. And then if you get it quickly, you got to be able to exit. So that's why transporting the puck and getting it to the offensive zone as fast as you can is so, is so important and not getting caught in your own zone. You have to be really good in the D zone. And so when you look at Hoaglander, one of the other big areas of opportunity for him is defensive zone play. Not talking about like defending necessarily. Everybody can be a better defender. I'm talking about when he gets the puck on a breakout. What type of plays are you making that allows us to transport the puck and have possession in the offensive zone? Because that the quicker, the, the more effective and efficient you are in that area, the more time you're going to be able to spend on your shift in that offensive zone, potentially. You're giving yourself a chance. Now, you know, you and go on the rush, you dump it in, the other team retrieves it, they make a good play, and they come right back out. You're one and done. You go in, you shoot it, 
The other team recovers it. They break out. Now you're one and done. Of course, you're not going to be able to avoid one and dones. What you have to be able to do is you got to be able to exit and you got to be able to kill exits. You got to be able to do those two things because that's what's going to help you extend plays in the offensive zone. Now, Huglander is very good in rush, like neutral zone four check transition situations. So that's one of his, that's kind of his exit kill, which is good. He's also very quick, which would give him an opportunity to kill exits in, in the offensive zone. So that would also be good. And then if he could work himself into the high ice more, again, he would be now in position to be able to kill exits. So all of it fits together. It all it all becomes part of the shift profile and trying to get more shifts to give him a fair chance to be able to do what he does. And there's a lot of shifts where he can't do what he does because he's missing these areas. And so when he finally does get a chance, a lot of them are coming at the end of the shift and he's just trying to get off. Or when he's when he is getting it, he needs the advantages. And if the advantages aren't there, well then now that's another missed one. So that's why the diversity is so important because you're not going to have advantages all the time. You have to be able to take a B-level or C-level puck and be able to find your way into creating offense from those plays. And at this point, particularly in his rush game, he needs an A-plus to an A-puck to be able to really do something dangerous offensively. And that's a huge area of opportunity. So you envision, and this is where I tie it all back around, you envision a player who's spending a lot of time in the D zone, he gets the puck, he makes an exit play. Now, one of his best exit plays, he likes to carry the puck. So he's carrying the puck. He gets it out through the neutral zone. He finds his way in. If he's really good, he gets off the wall. He creates a manipulative that allows himself to be able to get a carry or clean entry or stacks the deck in the favor of his team to be able to get a recovery if he has to lay it in. Now you're in the offensive zone. So now it's finding a way to keep it there so that you can then do what you do, and that's getting up in the, whether it's the high ice or getting off the half wall. It's just finding your way into these situations more consistently. And as a young player, connecting these things is so important because the more you view it connected, the easier it is for you to diagnose where some of these issues are falling short. So really cool guy to where he has these, he's got great assets he, he suggests that he should be able to pop with those assets, but now you see these like little disconnects along the way that if he was able to fill those in, he could really he could really uh, take his game uh, to another level. It's not like he's not playing with good players. He's, he played in the four games I watched. He was playing with uh, Pedersen most of it, uh, almost all of it actually as his center, and then uh, Besser was his winger for at least two of the games. So... He's not, it's not like he's not playing with good players. He's also on the ice with Quinn Hughes a lot. Um, so he's playing with good enough players that he can make something happen. He just needs to be able to take the B and C pucks and turn them into more. And the positioning, again, before you get the puck in your mindset of how to create an opportunity for mult, multiplicity of application is what's going to be able to be the difference because then it allows you to be deceptive or hide your intentions, which then opens up Pandora's box to be much more consistent. So 
Love this player. I think that he he's a guy that that really they're so intriguing with a lot of the things that he does. So I'm fascinated to see how how he navigates his way and what parts of his game he's able to connect to be able to take that next step. 